The podcast is supported by Premier Knitting Club, a registered New Zealand charity and virtual tribe of knitters providing knitted items and fundraising for neonatal intensive care units in New Zealand. I'm Courtney, I was a Premier myself and I run Premier Knitting Club. When we donate knitting to the NICU, families are given knits for them and their baby to treasure forever and keep. And we always need knitters to help us. If you have family members or friends who are knitters and want to help, you can find Premier Knitting Club New Zealand on Instagram or Facebook. We've also included the website in the show notes. We love that Niku Mum podcast and are proud to support it. Hi everyone, welcome to That Niku Mum, a podcast where we share the stories of New Zealand parents who have had babies in neonatal units across the country. My name's Shan and I am the host of this podcast. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at that Nikumum um, for all the behind the scenes kind of stuff, um, insights into people's journeys. Um, yeah. Before I introduce Pagan from this episode, um, just a trigger warning. This podcast, or this episode of the podcast, um, talks about baby loss. Um, Pagan lost her little boy during childbirth at 24 weeks, so it's obviously discussed quite a bit, and if you are not in the right headspace, then um, maybe give this one a miss. Um, She has had another baby since, so you could skip to the end more if you wanted to just hear her positive NICU experience with her rainbow baby, but uh, yeah, so it does get quite heavy. is obviously child loss does but yes so just a warning there but yeah so Pagan is our guest on this week's episode she yeah had her boy George at 24 weeks um due to an incompetent cervix and then went on to have her baby girl Madeline at 31 weeks um she was in NICU till just after her due date and is home and thriving so yeah, she's obviously had quite a difficult time, but has kind of come through it all, which is which is really good. And Payan is so lovely to talk to. Um, yeah, we, I, I felt like we got on really well. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> Awkward if she doesn't think the same thing, imagine that. Um, but yeah, so I hope you enjoy listening to this episode. And yeah, like I say, it does get a bit heavy, so please just bear that in mind. But let's get into it. All right. Do you want to um, start off telling us a little bit about your family and your husband and your children? Yes. So, um, well, I'm Pagan and my husband is Jason. And we currently have our sweet little Madeline. She is 15 weeks now. Um, and our first baby, George, um, who we unfortunately lost. But yeah, so I have technically two babies but one baby here and um yeah just kind of navigating what that looks like now but um she's good she's I'm so sorry I'm so sorry about George like I cannot even begin to fathom what you guys went through with all of that oh it was I don't even really know I feel like everyone always says to me, oh, how do you talk about it? And I'm like, oh, I don't even know sometimes. And then sometimes I start thinking mm. about it and then I'll just sit there and cry and be like, oh, my God, pull your shit yeah. together. <laughs> um, yeah. But We're not allowed to cry. Like, you lost your baby, you know? Like... Oh, I know, I know. But, um, yeah, I it, when I actually talk it through, I'm like, oh, my God, that was actually quite traumatic. But I guess when you're, like, mm. in it, 
match and it all just happens. Like you don't have, you don't have any other choice but to just deal with the cards that you're being given. And so you kind of just roll yeah. with it. And that's just the shitty stuff that happens. And you just go, okay, and on to the next day. And, you know, all of a sudden a year's gone by and, you know, like, when we were sort of in NICU and we were talking to a lot of the nurses and stuff about what had previously happened and they're all like, oh, my God. And, yeah, I guess you mm -hmm. don't really think about everything you've been through until, you know, situations, I guess, like this where I'm, like, talking about it mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, are you comfortable to talk about what happened with George? Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pretty comfortable. I um, I have never really been one to shy away from talking about it because I'm – like yeah. it, it is part of, you know, like me and Jace and what everything that we've gone through. And, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I was somewhat um, not ignorant because I guess it's not really stuff that you look into until it actually mm. happens to you. Um, mm. But, you know, I, I had had a few friends that had lost babies and stuff and you, you truly don't really understand or relate to it until it actually happens to you. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, I, I don't even really know where to start with it really like um so basically I found out that I was pregnant January last year and um mm -hmm. that was first baby so we were all very excited and um yeah the, the family was over the moon because I'd kind of been the one that was like no I'm too busy I'm working every time everyone was like when are you having babies and I was like no no work 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 and I'd always kind of you know put that first I guess and so yeah we found out we were pregnant yeah. um and eventually we found out it was a little boy so we were pretty ecstatic about that um I did the NIPS testing so I found out really early because I'm yeah. so impatient and I was like I need to know I've got things to buy like um so, especially yeah. in your line of work as well right like you you have access to like all these baby clothes you're like I need to know what ones I'm taking home with me today basically yeah and I was like <laughs> okay I need I need to know I need to do this so um yeah I found out it was a little boy and um I'd picked my midwife and, and done all of those sorts of things and spoken to all my cousins that had had their babies and was like, oh my God, what am I in for? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, working in the children's industry, I had kind of read a lot of stories and stuff anyway. And so yeah. I, I was, I guess I was like thinking that I was somewhat prepared. Um, and I, so I had a let's procedure done. It was 2015. And, um, so essentially it was like seven years prior to me actually being pregnant. So yeah, so I, I got my midwife and she was a new midwife and I had told her that I'd had a let's procedure done previously and mm -hmm. she was sort of of the opinion, let's just be overcautious. We will go, um, I'll send, refer you to the hospital. You'll get the 16 week cervix length check done. Um, and then essentially they can go from there as to if they think that you are going to have any sort of cervix issues or it's irrelevant, carry on. Mm -hmm. And like my mm -hmm. um, gynecologist and people like that were like, oh, it was a really small, like let's procedure. There was no, no, you know, large area that was removed. So we really shouldn't be an issue. So I, mm -hmm. um, I went along, I had the cervix length check done at 16 weeks and it was fine. So that was, think the length was like 33 mils or something which like mm -hmm. meant absolutely nothing to me because at that time I did not know anything about any of this stuff and um yeah basically they had sort of given me like the information as to like if you have a short 
cervix, um, you'll have to get a stitch put in or you'll have to have these pessaries and all of this stuff. And I was like, thank mm-hmm. God, like, I don't want any of that. <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of like walked away from that being like, sweet, great, cervix length, tick, you know. And um, yeah. I went along to my 20-week scan. And I when I went along to it, like, it was absolutely fine. And I just happened to kind of say to the girl, it's like, oh, how's my cervix? Because, you know, now I'm like aware that, there's a thing mm-hmm. called cervix length. And um, she was like, oh, it's long, it's closed, looks great. And I was like, cool, sweet. Again, didn't think anything of it. Um, mm. And basically the only like annoying symptom that I had had my entire pregnancy with George was that I was constipated all the time. <laughs> and so, yeah, I know, right? So I was forever on like the Kiwi Crush and smooth, you know, like yeah. everything yeah. you could think of. And Two weeks, so that was, yeah, my 20-week scan. And then at 22 weeks, I started kind of getting, like, this, like, niggly backache. And I just assumed that it was because I was so constipated. And, you know, everyone Mm. says to you that, like, it can be so painful and all of this sort of stuff. And I was like, Mm. man, Mm. I've really got to get on top of this. Like, this is not ideal, you know. And um, then at 23 weeks, I actually lost my mucus plug. And yeah. again, at the time, I didn't really know what it was or anything, but I messaged my midwife and I was like, hey, I think that this is what's just happened. And yeah. like, I don't know if this is TMI or anything, but like there wasn't like any blood or anything like that. Nothing that like concerned me. And so mm. she was like, no, you can lose parts of it. Like it regenerates, not a problem. Mm. And I was like, cool, mm. sweet as, all good. Um, had you told her that you'd had the backache yep (laughs) um and I because I had actually been asking her for like an enema and she had Mm. said no because she was like no Mm. like it can trigger preterm labor blah 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 and so I was like okay and I I didn't want to push her because I knew she was you know like a new midwife and I I was like I didn't want to like put her in this corner of being like give me the things that I know you don't want to give me (laughs) like um (laughs) Yeah, and then it was the 15th of June. And so by this stage, like, I had tried to restart ex- doing exercise, hoping that they'd get my bowels moving. I'd gone to an osteo mm. to get, like, realigned, thinking maybe I was, like, all out of whack and that's why I wasn't mm. going to the toilet. And mm. um, I went out for lunch with my mum and my aunties for my auntie's birthday, and I was telling them about how sore my back was. And, of course, they were, like, harden up, like, you know, because at the time, <laughs> like... I know, and they feel awful about that now. Um, But at the time, I was actually going through, like, a lot of stress in my personal life. And I had lost, like, seven seven kilo. My hair was falling out. So, like, I didn't really look massively pregnant or anything for 24 weeks. And, of course, when my mum and that are going, I don't understand why you've got backache. You've got no bloody bump. Like, there's no extra weight (laughs) on you. Like, I don't get why you've got this pain. And I was like, I'm... I don't know either. I actually had the same thing the day my waters broke. My back was really sore. And now I'm like, obviously that was early labor. But at the time I was like, man, it's just from being like pregnant. We'd just moved house. I was like, I'm just sore. (laughs) But now I'm like, okay. I was was like, I'm just like, I need to stretch out or something. And it, it it wasn't painful. And from what I expected labor to be, that was not, you know, like I've seen all these videos online of people like screaming in pain and all of this. And like, so I did not expect that I was actually in labor for like two weeks without realizing. Yeah. And I, um, I got home from that lunch and stuff and 
I think of all these conversations. So yeah, I think of all these like conversations that I have that now seem very like ironic given. Um, but I had like a family friend over and I was saying to her, I was like, Jan, I don't know how I'm going to do labor. Like I can't even do this bloody back pain from backache from essentially just not going to the bloody bathroom. Like how am I going to do labor? And she's just cracking up laughing. And later on that night, it was like five o'clock and, um, I had actually been messaging, I have a friend that is a midwife in Auckland, Katie, and I'd been messaging her kind of being like, what do you think? I really need to just get this enema. Like, do you think that it could be really bad for me? You know, and she was like, look, just ask your midwife again. And I was like, okay. I was like, I didn't want to put her on a bad, you know, bad. So I had been talking to um, uh, midwife Katie in Auckland and sort of saying to her, like, am I being an asshole if I like ask my midwife? just pretty please can I have this enema like even just like mentally I was like I need to go to the bathroom so that I can just be like I've gone you know (laughs) like yeah yeah and I think my husband was like he's like you just need to go I'm sick of hearing that you can't go and I'm like I know (laughs) I need to go like and um so I was kind of like in the middle of messaging her and I went to the bathroom like for a wee obviously because I couldn't go anything else and um (laughs) when I wiped it was like ever so slightly pink and I mean like ever so slightly and to be honest I would have never thought anything of it if I hadn't have been messaging Katie at the time about the enema and I just happened Mm. to say to her like hey just like and she goes send me a photo and I was like are you sure she's like I'm a midwife like I get sent this stuff all the time and I'm like okay yeah so I sent her the photo and then she rung me and she was like I don't want to freak you out, but I think your waters are leaking. You need to ring your midwife and tell her that you need to go in for an exam ASAP. Mm. And I was like, Mm. okay. So then like, I kind of was like, oh my God, oh my God, what's Mm. happening? Like, is this pain like that I've been having? Oh my God. And so then of course, like my brain just went into overdrive and I, I ran outside and Jace had just got home from work and I was like, we're not getting KFC for dinner anymore. Like we're going to crush the humans. And he was like, (laughs) what we're going to the hospital and I'm like yeah and he was like what's wrong and I was like I don't know but I we've got to go and so I get to the hospital meet my midwife and it was kind of funny she had the enema in her hand and she's like here like take this with you <laughs> I was like cool thanks and um we rocked up and she's like we'll do an exam and I could tell from like the minute that they like looked inside basically with the speculum uh it was my Mm. midwife and another doctor and their faces just went like white and I was like what Mm. is it and she said you're five centimeters dilated with bulging membranes and I was like I'm what and she (sighs) said don't move and I was like what are membranes like I hadn't even done antenatal classes like I think I had downloaded the thing and I, I hadn't even looked at anything yet so yeah I had absolutely no idea and she was like do not stand up and then all of a sudden like everything just became quite like panicked and like heightened Mm. and I just started crying and Jason's looking at me and I was like I can't be having the baby right now like this is just not like yeah I don't don't even know like to how to explain that feeling of just like Mm. utter terror of being like what what the hell and um Mm. so basically my midwife was, yeah, walking me through the thing and she was like, okay, like, you know, this is, it's going to get quite intense. There's going to be a lot of people coming in. They got, basically, she sort of talked me through the fact that the first thing that they would do was they'll be giving me steroids and they'll be trying to stop the labor. 
So I get yeah. upstairs and, you know, everything was sort of like steroids and, and they went and a whole bunch of, you know, blood being taken and lines going in and mm. all sorts of hectic mm. stuff like this. And um, then we're sort of sitting there and this the NICU team came in and the guy sort of started talking to us about, you know, like, so obviously the chances are high that you're going to have this baby. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not. Like, mm-hmm. I thought we were just tr- trying to stop the labor. <laughs> they're like, they're going to stop it. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to stop it. And he was like, okay. And I, I, from when he was kind of like, okay, I was kind of like, okay, they, I don't, they obviously aren't very confident that they're going to be able to yeah. st- stop this. But I was yeah. confident. I was like, no, no, like, we're going to stop this, right? Like, you know, we're going to stop it and I'll just stay in hospital for a few days and then I'll come back and then I'll give birth mm. at like 40 weeks. But yeah, mm. no. So he, he kind of came in and, I guess for a lot of people that will be listening to this, like that talk that you have with the NICU team, they give you like a brochure and mm-hmm. that brochure, I, all I remember is like, it's like one of the main things I actually remember is the colored dots as to like how far along you are gestation wise. And I just remember him pointing, you know, 24 weeks, like I was 24 plus one. So I was literally like mm-hmm. right on that day. And it was just all these red dots and, every word that came out of his mouth was just negative. It was, you know, disability, death, cardiac arrest, like all of these things and, you know, resuscitation. And he basically left kind of saying, so what do you want us to do? And me and Jace like looked at each other, like, we don't, what, what do you mean? Like you're asking us to like, like whether we want you to save our baby, like this is hectic. Like what the hell? And um, he kind of left and we were just a bit like, I don't even know. Like we were lost for words really. And, another lady came in and she she had a lot nicer manner um I think he was quite clinical which I mean I guess you have to be in that situation there's no point trying to lie about it and be like oh this is a great situation because it's not like at all um yeah but again like you know to them it's their job but to you it's your baby I know you know like there's (laughs) you can still be (laughs) clinical and be empathetic yeah and and that was what, because during this time, like, my mum had come up, obviously, and, and I, I know my mum always yeah. said to me, she's like, I left that hospital that night thinking, like, how are Pagan and Jason going to make those decisions? Like, this is such mm. like a, you know, everybody was kind of so shocked that all of this was happening. And um, mm. this lady came in, and she had worked in the NICU in, like, Canada or America or somewhere, and she she was, I'm so glad that she came in because she brought like a whole nother perspective. And she was like, look, 24 weekers are some of the strongest babies I know, you know, she's like, you know, the word disability, it it could, it can mean that they can't walk or they can't talk, but it could also just mean glasses or hearing aids, you know, like, so she's like, the spectrum of of what could actually go wrong is so vast that like, Mm. you know, don't sit in the, the really bad stuff immediately. Um, so yeah, we, we really appreciated like her conversation and, and she kind of made it quite black and white for us. She basically said, she was like, look, um, cause the other thing that this guy had said, he was like, Oh, are you having a boy or a girl? And we were like a boy. And of course we're like, Oh, excited a boy. And he was like, no, yeah. boys have like a less, you know, chance of survival in Niku than girls. And I was like, Oh, oh, okay. Like, what? cool like oh, what do you want me yeah like I was just like oh okay. yeah great thanks for telling me that yeah. I remember when I was in labor the NICU doctors came in to like talk us through what was going to happen and stuff we had 32 weekers so obviously a bit further along than you but the one thing I vividly remember is the doctor was like so we won't use the forceps 
um, in a prem birth because it can crush their skull. Yeah. And I was like, okay, why did you tell me this? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This is information I don't need. I know. And um, so she was really lovely. And she kind of basically said, look, if he, she goes, 24 weekers can come out and they'll be screaming. And she's like, if he comes mm. out and he's crying and he's got color, she's like, we'll intubate him straight away. Like, you know, that is a really good sign. But if he comes out and he's blue and, you know, there's no noise, you know, potentially there's already been a lack of oxygen, which could indicate already brain damage, you know, things like that. And we were like, okay. Mm. So that, that kind of gave us, I guess, something to think about going into like what mm. we might get handed once he came out. Um, mm. So then she kind of walked away and I was sort of just sitting there and we were like, okay, so right, we're stopping labor. Like this was still my plan. And um, mm. I think that was all like maybe like nine, 10 o'clock at night. And then about 4am um, I started noticing the back pain again and I got up to go for a wee. And when I came back, I had the most horrific contraction I have ever had still to this date. Um, yeah. And like to the point that I screamed and I, I pushed the buzzer. And I remember these yeah. two ladies came running in because they had basically said if I had any changes in pain to like let them know. And um, mm. I pushed the buzzer, which woke up poor Jace. He was sleeping on the floor and, and he's like, what's happening? And I was like, oh my God, like I'm in so much pain. And then mm. all of a sudden I had another contraction and the ladies were like, sit down, sit down. I sat down, my waters broke. And then like 13 people came running into the room. And mm. from there, it was just this very like hectic environment. I had absolutely no pain medication whatsoever um, because I hadn't really been in any pain. So there wasn't a need to give mm. me anything. And um mm. they, um, they had previously checked his position, like, I don't know, a few hours earlier and he was like head down and stuff. So they were happy with like where he was and all of that. Cause I also asked them, I was like, Oh, so will this be a C-section? And they were like, yeah. no. Cause you know, I just assumed with it needing to be so like medically assisted that like a C-section would yeah. be, but that was when I found out about how they do like, is it called like a classical cut or something? And how yeah. that's not actually, yeah. they, they don't like to do that if they don't have to. So yeah, they basically yeah had kind of ruled that out for me. So uh, I had all these people come running in and I had these two lovely old ladies up beside me and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, what am I doing? Cause they were kind of like, you need to start pushing. And I'm like, how? Like I've mm. read nothing about this. And they were like, chin, chin, yeah. you know, chin on your chest and blah, blah, blah. And they were trying to like help me talk through it. And they were, you know, coaching me and saying, you know, it's going really well, going really well. But then all of a sudden, um, his arm came out. So his arm came out first, which meant he was compound presentation. So they said, I remember the doctor kind of saying, um, we've got his arm out, Pagan. Look, I'm just going to have to twist. I'm just going to have to move him. I'm just going to have to do it. And I could kind of hear her. And obviously, I could feel her, like, trying to move him around. Yeah. Because everything got, got yeah. very painful very quickly. And, mm -hmm. you know, they were sort of throwing me around on the bed a bit and trying to change positions and everything. And they were like, Pagan, he's just stuck. We're just trying to get him, blah, blah, blah. And there was a lot of this. And it, it, I just remember every now and then catching Jason's face and he just looked absolutely terrified. And, yeah. um, and I was obviously like in a lot of pain and I was just, I was so tired as well. Like all of it, like yeah. there was just a lot happening. And then the lady to the left of me, um, she was kind of like, hang on, hang on, hang on. And then she goes, I, I can't get a heartbeat. And it was kind of from then that like everybody 
just kind of stopped what they were doing and then she was trying to find a heartbeat and they could only find mine um Mm. and that was when yeah all the doctors all the nurses they kind of stopped I felt the whole mood in the room just completely change and yeah uh, the doctor so her name was Suzanne she was uh, absolutely lovely um she's basically said to me Pagan I'm really sorry like you know he has passed um and she said we're gonna have to you know give you an episiotomy and use forceps to get him out because he's so stuck and Yeah. Excuse my excuse my language, but I basically said knock me the fuck out. I said I can't I can't yeah. do this anymore. Like I'm I'm so exhausted and um I'd lost a lot of blood as well with, without realizing I had. And um yeah. Yeah, so they basically took me off to surgery and left poor Jace in the room with a couple of the nerves. Yeah, yeah. So basically I said knock yeah. me out and um yeah, they basically I just remember being wheeled down the hallway, um, thinking, Okay, cool, like I have this baby half out of me being like, what, what is even happening right now? And then, yeah, I went off to theater and I remember like the irony of being handed, like, while you're half, like, uh, when I, I want to say conscious because like in so much pain and contractions were still happening mm. and they're like, Hey, can you sign this form for like blood? And I was just like <laughs> scribbling like all over <laughs> it. And I was like, surely this is not legible but okay yeah yeah and um then yeah then I was out to it so um when I woke up they had put him in a little cot beside me and um yeah then eventually when they took me out of recovery I went through and I can't remember what the room is called in Christchurch but they have like this beautiful room that is for families um that have lost babies and um in Waikato it's called the Manaya room yeah so something similar to that um and Mm. they had like what uh they had a cuddle cot in there so essentially we were able to kind of keep him in there keep him cool and all of our friends and family you know were able to come in and and see him and and do all of that um I was only really there for the Thursday night uh sorry yeah for that Thursday night and then I ended up checking myself out Friday afternoon because I just there was a lot of you know babies being born on that same floor so there was a lot of babies crying and I was still just in this like whole shock of like what has actually just happened and um I just wanted to be at home um so yeah so we got checked out and whatnot then on the Saturday morning I actually collapsed at home and had to go back for a blood transfusion so oh my god yeah so that wasn't the best start to like trying to get away from the hospital and yeah I I have the absolute worst veins like no word of a lot like I'm more terrified of getting a line put in than I am of actually giving birth like it's the (laughs) that whole process is so horrific um so yeah so that kind of like wound up that sort of journey and then of course like in the weeks that followed there was like a lot of trying to understand what had happened um we had like a meeting with the hospital basically any baby I think that dies during labor um or during the hospital they like do an investigation I guess it's to kind of rule out Mm. that like they didn't do anything wrong or if they did what they could have done differently um and yeah like I had quite a few questions for them because obviously it took them about nine weeks before I actually got to have the meeting with them um we didn't do an autopsy on George because they essentially told us that there was absolutely nothing wrong with him. He was 720 Mm. grams. Like he was really good weight for what his gestation was going to be. 
um, he literally just got stuck during delivery and because he was so little he couldn't breathe on his own while being stuck mm. um, so it was just one yeah. again excuse my language but one big clusterfuck really like they yeah. they, they couldn't there was no like medical reason you know um, mm. so then obviously I started doing some digging because I was like well why was my cervix opening why why was I why was all these things happening and I started yeah. asking questions and I started looking back through a lot of my scans. And when I looked at my 20-week scan, um, I actually noted that on the report, nobody had actually written um, what my cervix measurement was. And I don't know whether that was because yeah. it had just never been requested or maybe it wasn't something that was needed to be written on there. But the mm. – is it are they a sonographer? I think a sonographer. Um, they I think actually, so. Yeah. Um, they had actually done a measurement and at my 20 week scan, it was 23 or 24 mils. So for me, when I looked at that, I was like, Hey, that's like gone down a centimeter between shortened quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course, like the sonographer wouldn't have looked at that because they didn't have my previous measurements and because it wasn't put in Mm. a report, it didn't stand out to anybody. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I started asking questions about that. Um, my midwife, I she kind of backed off a little bit. Um, I was kind of disappointed. I didn't re- I didn't get my six weeks worth of care from her um, every yeah. time I asked her. You've still had a baby, you know? Like... I know. And <sighs> which was disappointing because I, I loved her. And I just sort of yeah. thought, like, given the situation, that she would have been a little bit more than willing to yeah. kind of, like, answer some questions. But she... I think also because she was quite new, um, maybe she was a little bit worried that she had done something wrong. I, I don't know. But yeah. she, she kind of just kept doing the whole, just wait until your hospital appointment. Just wait until you talk to the hospital. Um, mm. And, yeah, so the report from the hospital basically said that they couldn't confirm that I had an incompetent cervix um, or that it was preterm labor because of the amount of stress that I was under. So mm. I was like, okay, cool, another cluster of shit all happening at one time that caused my body to go into labor um but I knew that going forward I was going to make the assumption that my cervix was a bit shit and that Mm. I was going to push for extra care so um yeah when we found out that we were pregnant with Maddie um I immediately I had a private obstetrician and we had a plan in place and I was like I'm getting the stitch I don't care what anybody says And, you know, they were still like, you know, you don't have to get it. We could just wait and see. And I was like, I am not waiting and seeing, (laughs) like, Mm, not at all. Um, So, yeah, 14 weeks I got the stitch put in. And when I woke up from getting that done, the pain in my back, I was like, this is the same as it was with George. So this is clearly linked to my cervix. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, they put the stitch in, and it was a really boring and uneventful pregnancy, somewhat. Um, <laughs> like, obviously, I couldn't do anything. I was on bed rest a lot. They were like, you're not leaving Christchurch. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to go anywhere. I, I went to Twizel, um at 29 weeks for my brother-in-law's 30th, and I was like, yeah, like, I'm left Christchurch <laughs> for the weekend. Um, but even then, like, my midwife, Mary, she was amazing, Um she was like, please don't go too far. Like, don't, don't do things you don't need to do. And I was like, okay. Like, so you had, you had a different midwife to what you yes. had with George? 
Yes, I did. Yeah. So I asked my obstetricians. I was like, um, because when I first tried to book in with an OB, they were like, oh, we're actually all closing down and we're not taking on any more clients. And I was like, cool. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So I said, well, can you at least suggest for me a really good midwife? Like, I know it sounds awful, but I was like, I essentially want somebody that knows how to deal with somebody that's lost a baby, that knows how to deal with all the horrific sides of pregnancy because I don't yeah. want someone that's like, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Because like truth of the matter, mm. like it's not, I'm a high risk pregnancy now. And I want someone to be real about it. Um, yeah. And yeah, Mary was fantastic. Like she was the best thing ever. Um, and then the obstetricians ended up ringing me back a week later saying that they could take me on. So I had both. Good. Um, so yeah. that was really, really good. And when I actually got my stitch put in, um, and I was on the maternity ward, like with the fetal medicine team in Christchurch Women's. I actually had all of the doctors come and see me because they saw my name on the board again, and they were like, "Oh my god!" And they were the ones that had been in there with George, and like it was really sweet. Like yeah. I know everybody gives like a lot of doctors and nurses so much shit, and I, I mean, like I have had like I have nothing bad to say about any of the doctors and nurses or, or any of the the care that we had. You know, like it was absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Um, so yeah, that was really sweet. And one of the, the nurse, uh, no, the doctor, sorry, that actually did the surgery for me, her name was Dr. George. And so like, I found that I was like, oh my gosh, like, I love that. Um, and I'm not normally like a very like sentimental person, but there was something about that, that just kind of was like, okay, this feels good. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) almost too much of a coincidence. eh? I know. I know. So, um, yeah. So, and then I got to, it was like, 29 or 30 weeks and I started having like some Braxton Hicks and tightenings like across Mm. the front and I was like oh this is new because I'd never had like front tightenings before and um I it was like 31 31 weeks and I was driving to go and drop some paperwork off for um, our company and all of a sudden I got this like tingle in my back and I was like hmm Mm. I'm just gonna ring my obstetrician and I rang Mm. her and was like look, it's the middle of the day. I don't feel bad because it's not the middle of the night. And I'm not ringing you. So I feel like, yeah. it's, you know, like it's, I'm not like putting anybody out, but can we just check me <laughs> really quickly? And she's like, yeah, yes, come in. We'll put you on a CTG. So off I went and I spent the day basically of them monitoring me in between all their appointments. And she checked me out and she was like, you know, like it looks pretty good, but you do have a stitch in. So like essentially everything's being held together. And she's like, given your mm-hmm. history, we'll just send you to Christchurch Women's, get the steroids put in, and, you know, at least then they can give you some medication and we can try and calm down. Like, what she was assuming might have just been, like, an irritable uterus. So yeah, I was like, okay, cool, let's do that. So, and she goes, they'll call me if I need to come in for any reason. So off I went mm-hmm. and up to the hospital. I got given the nifedipine again, which, by the way, I can now hand on heart say does not work for me. <laughs> Um, and throughout the afternoon, basically the contractions were just getting like more intense and more intense. Um, not so much painful, but they were like longer and on the scanner, like you could see them really peaking and and going for gold. Um, I did have a couple of internal checks and they were still quite happy that like there was no cervix changes happening. So essentially it was just like me being monitored and, um, Jace made the decision. It was like. 11 o'clock and he's like look I'll just stay because we live half an hour out of Christchurch so I um Mm. I said to him well you'd hate to go home and then something happened because last time it happened in the middle of the night 
So he's like, right, we'll just yeah. stay. So we were like sort of sitting there trying to organize all of our stuff and our boys and all the stuff because we've got a construction company and um, we're yeah. organizing all of that because he's like, well, I'm not going to be able to be on site tomorrow, you know, like trying to redo everything. And all of a sudden my obstetrician turned up and she's like, hi. And I'm oh, like, no. what, are you, what are you doing here? And she's like, I couldn't go to bed. I needed to. <laughs> needed to come and check you out for myself. And I was like, okay. And I was like, oh, that's really sweet. And the first thing she did, she looked at the CTG. I think that's what it was called. And um, she was like, oh my gosh, this is really ramped up from when you were in the office. And I was like, yeah, I I thought that too. And she's like, have you got any pain medication? I was like, oh, I took a Panadol. But like, I was like, I'm not in (laughs) like pain. I said, the painful thing is these bloody speculum exams that they keep wanting to do. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. And she goes, okay, well, she goes, I'm going to have to do one just to check you out. So anyway, so she did one and she goes, yep, no, you're in labor. And I was like, oh, okay. She goes, yeah, no, awesome. well in, well in labor. Awesome. And um, she goes, we'll be having a baby. And Jason was like, what? Like when? She goes, oh, probably take us about an hour to prep the OR because we knew that um, Madeline was breached. So it was going to have to be a yeah, section. And he was like, what? Did that make you feel a bit um, a bit more assured, obviously, with what happened with George, to knowing that you were going to be having a C-section? Yeah, so it was kind of weird because literally the two weeks prior to all of this happening, I had just started thinking, oh, maybe I should look at an elective C-section because I just started getting mm. a little bit nervous about everything. And I don't know where, if it was yeah. I was having all these tightenings and stuff again. And I was like, oh, I think it might be about to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I'd kind of previously thought, no, nah, no, nah, like that won't happen again. I'll be able to go into this and mm. give it a good go. Um, but I just started to kind of freak myself out a little bit and was like, mm. and yeah. it was like my cousin's 21st was the weekend before. And I'd been asking everybody being like, what do you think? And I had another one of my cousins. She was like, just have an elective. Like you'll be so much like you, you won't be freaking out, blah, blah, blah. So mm. I was like, okay, this is happening. So I messaged my mom and I was like, I'm going to be having a baby. And she's like, what? And I'm like, Yep, in like an hour. So, um, yeah, they basically like prepped us for all of that, and um, Mum made her way up to the hospital just as like, and she managed to see me just as I was walking down the corridor off to the surgery. Um, and it was yeah. like, it was actually really like, I won't say like healing because I don't think that you really like overcome the trauma from the first one, but like, it yeah. was so calm. There was no pain. We listened to Fleetwood Mac, and it was just so chill. And uh, it was just, I was like, oh my God, I'd do this again in a heartbeat. Like this is, this yeah, is my yeah. ideal birth situation. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I felt the same. I had, um, vaginal births both times, but the first time with the twins was so friggin' hectic, like so many people around and everything. And then I had Angus, my singleton, and it was like calm. <laughs> there was like four people in the room, including yeah. me. It was like, yeah, there was a music and it was just like, it was just so much calmer. And I yeah. don't think, unless you've had the real hectic birth, you actually realise, oh my God, this is what birth is like. <laughs> I, I know, this is why everybody keeps wanting to go back for more and more, because it actually doesn't have to be yeah. that horrific. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, obviously we had had like the NICU team come in and been given the brochures again. And like, we were now sitting in like that green, the green dots and stuff. And so like, everything was just yeah. like a lot more. And it was funny, like the lady kind of speaking to me, she's like, you're very calm about this. And I was like, I feel like it's because for me, I'm like 31 weeks. Like, this is great. Like even my obstetrician, Angela, like she was like, I told you, we just had, she goes, 31 was the magic number. She's like, this is, she goes, all she's got to do now is fatten up and learn to breathe properly. And yeah. she's like, this is yeah. great. And I was like, I know. Yeah. And, you know, even when we were in NICU, like 
I had like obviously you speak to a lot of parents and stuff and I did have a couple of people say to me like oh you're quite calm about this whole situation and I was like I feel so much better about the fact that she was out of my damn body because I was just so stressed the whole pregnancy um and that she was actually born she's alive like we actually have a baby now and I'm just essentially waiting for her to grow more like um yeah so Yeah. yeah like that that birth process and stuff like was just yeah I mean it was still like you know very sterile you're in a surgical room Mm. and all that kind of stuff um but I mean I wasn't really one for like wanting certain things anyway I'd never thought about what your ideal birth would be or any of that stuff because I'm one of those people I'm like if you don't make plans for things then you can't be disappointed so yeah um, I kind of just roll with the punches really and no, it was it was great. And yeah, so they, they took her out. And um, then I asked my obstetrician as I was laying there, I was like, what does my stitch look like? And she's like, I'm about to take it out. I'll, I'll show you if you like. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, is it something I can keep? And she was like, I don't know if you want to keep it. Um, yeah. And that was when she actually said to me, she's like, you are four centimeters dilated and the stitch is actually tearing your cervix. And I was like, cool. Great. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that was, like, perfect timing of her to just, like, yeah. show up, want to do a check, and then everything that kind yeah, of... Yeah, imagine went... if she had come, like, the next morning. I know. Or if I was at home and she started yeah. trying to cut... Yeah, like, that I, That freaks me out because I live so far away yeah. from the hospital. Um, mm. But, yeah, no, so all of that was, like, really good. Like, for me, it was, like, perfect scenario, I guess, of all the different options mm. that I could have could have been dealt um and then yeah like my my healing and stuff from my c-section was really good um the only problem that I started to then have was like because obviously they want you to like pump and give breast milk and all of that stuff and I was always kind of one that was like I'm not gonna breastfeed like rah 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 especially with George and then after George I was like okay I might end up with a NICU baby I know that they're gonna want breast milk so I'd kind of like come around to the idea of like this is what's gonna have to happen blah 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 and then I ended up having yeah. like a really good supply. So of course they were like, this is great. Keep going. And um, then I got mastitis and I mm-hmm. essentially, so it was about three weeks in and I got mastitis the first time. And I was like, I'm so done. This is horrific. Like, and I was, I was in hospital, like I got admitted. It was so bad. And the lactation yeah. consultants and Nikki were like, please don't give up. You've got such good supply. And, like Maddie's only kind of issue was that like she had a very sensitive stomach and so they were really hesitant for me to stop my milk supply so I was like okay I'll keep going and um so I did and then a week later I got mastitis again (laughs) and oh my god I know and I managed to get on top of that with just like oral antibiotics um and then 10 days later I got it again and so basically Mm-mm. I ended up with it three times within four weeks and nah. yeah, I, um, the final time I actually ended up in hospital admitted for about five. So yeah, I, um, I, I think at that point, so she was in there for nine weeks and by that point it was about six, six weeks in and I, yeah. my like infection marker was like 380 something. They were like, what the hell? And basically they kind of said to me, if I, still had like an open c-section wound or had any other wounds in my body basically I would have gone septic because like the infection would have traveled yeah so I was like okay I'm I'm not here for this like and 
I asked for some medication and I dried up my milk like that. <laughs> and um, yeah, basically I had enough in the freezer to get me through um, basically the entire time that she was still in the coup. Um, but we did transition yeah. her over to formula while she was still like under their care, just in case she had any sort of issues or anything like that. Um, Were they I, really reluctant to let you do that? Not, not by the third time. The first and second time oh. when I had mastitis, they were like, oh, because they were a bit funny at the beginning when I first said I wanted to bottle feed her as well. And they were like, oh, but I, and yeah. I was like, no, no, I want my husband to be able to feed her. And, yeah. you know, like I said, oh, I like, I like to have my own independence and I work a lot and mm -hmm. I do, you know, and I want to be able to have other people look after her and it not be a problem. And so yeah. you know, I was like, let's give her a bottle. She'll be having breast milk. So there's what's the, there's no problem with that, right? So I kind of had my win there. And then, yeah, after, when it came to my third time with mastitis and they saw how gravely ill I was because mm -hmm. I was on the ward as well as um, being up in NICU all day. And they were like, you look awful. And I was like, I feel like I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> they were kind of like, yeah, no, you need to. Because I was like, I can't keep having this every week. Like, this is no way. Yeah, like, yeah. I was, like, standing in the shower covering my boobs because the shower hurts so much. Like, it was just, mm. it was, yeah, not an ideal situation at all. Um, no. And it's funny, all my friends were like, I can't believe you even did it for that long. Because I was such, like, I, was <laughs> like, I am never going to breastfeed. Like, <laughs> um, But, you know, when you've got, like, a little baby that's, like, sick and needs it, like, you just do what you need to do, right? So, um, yeah. plus, like, I kind of feel like I came out of that C-section surgery and there was, like, a nurse there just waiting to milk me. And I was like, okay. This is yeah. Bad. There is a lot of, like, the the outside pressures as well. Like, you walk down the corridors in NICU and it's all, like, breastfeeding and yeah. <laughs> milk supply. Like, there's, you feel like you don't really have an option, do you? I know, I know. And, like, sometimes, like, and you do feel bad because there's, like, a lot of women that really struggle with just supply and so like I felt mm. bad saying that I was wanting to give up and how much I hated it meanwhile I'm still pumping mm. like hundreds of mills and you know then the mm. lady next to me is just trying to get 20 or 30 and all she wants to do is breastfeed and I you know like I felt bad yeah. being like oh my god I hate this like um yeah yeah but I mean I guess everybody yeah has their own their own journeys and <laughs> everything but that that was mine when it came to that Mm, um mm. but yeah so she was in there for nine weeks um slowly got her her main thing was yeah feeding and like weight gain at the beginning because they yeah. couldn't get couldn't get a line in her to begin with either because her veins were so bad and she was like vomiting a lot she inherited that from you <laughs> I know I was like I'm so sorry like literally my last hospital stay <laughs> I had like seven attempts and they had to use like an ultrasound and it's always like pediatric <laughs> needles and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I say to them, I'm like, Hey, I have really bad veins. And they're like, it's fine. I can get this. And I'm like, mm, okay. No. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so yeah. So once they kind of managed to get a line in, they had like three attempts at different long lines with her and they had to have, she ended up with like a half a long line where they pulled it back because it went up the wrong way. And, all sorts of different yeah. things like this. And they managed to get some, uh, is it called like TPN? I think it's like the nutrients via yeah. IV. Yeah. Once they got that into her, then she started gaining the weight um, so that then she could actually, like her stomach matured and she was able to handle the milk. So it was kind of just that like, yeah. you couldn't really get one without the other. So um, yeah, yeah, two weeks there where it felt like, because she lost a lot of weight mm -hmm. to begin with. 
Um, mm. And it just it felt like because when she was born, she was like 1900 grams and then she lost nearly 300. And so they were like, whoa, like that's a lot. Um, it's a good yeah. weight though for 31 weeks. Yeah, it was a good weight. Yeah. And so um, she came on, yeah, it was about like the third weekend that we kind of started feeling like, okay, like she now we're just like fattening her up and waiting for her to develop yeah. essentially. Um, we were kind of out of that like scary part of her being like, oh, she's not putting on any weight today or she's been really sick today mm. or all of that sort mm. of thing. Um, then she kind of had a bit of a reaction to her vaccinations, her six-week vaccinations, which kind of set us back a little bit as well. Um, and then essentially at the end, it was just like trying to get her to bottle feed. And that mm. was probably my biggest frustration because obviously they don't have enough nurses to have somebody trying to bottle feed her every time that you're not there. I was trying to spend yeah. like 14 hours a day up at the NICU, trying to give her a bottle every single time, trying to hold her mm. in an ele elevated sideline and all of these different, you know, things mm. that mm. they all want you to do. And we just couldn't get enough into her um, on that three hourly cycle. And I started yeah. sort of trying to say to them, I was like, can we please try, you know, like, the baby you know like let the baby tell us what to do and you know maybe spread it out to say four hours because I kind yeah. of felt like every three hours was too soon for her because it would take her like an hour to try to have her bottle and yeah you know, then they're trying to put more food into her you know two hours later and she's still asleep so they'd be like mm. oh we'll just put it through the tube and I'm like but yeah that's because she's not genuinely ready for it you know like mm. so um mm. When it, when it got to the end, it was like the week that it was her due date and we had a meeting with the hospital team and we kind of just put our foot down and was like, I want to bring her home and I'll bring her home on tube and I can guarantee you that she's going to take that bottle better because I can give it to her every feed and yeah, and the social worker and everybody was really great. They like put it all together for us and we came home the day after her due date and she was only on the Amazing. tube yep, for six days and um. <laughs> took the tube out and she like smashes bottles now and it's like it's like her favorite thing to do <laughs> yeah. so um yeah no so it was good because when we first had that meeting they were the doctor like in charge of her was like oh she's probably got another couple of weeks of trying to work out that bottle and I was like I am not going to be here for another two weeks like no I'm sick of the 50 dollars a day and bloody car parking at the Christchurch hospital oh my like, god you know, like it was just, yeah, it was, I was like, I need, we need to be home now. We're, I'm done. We're good. Yeah, yeah. She didn't have anything like medically wrong with her. So like, you know, yeah. and that, that hospital was at capacity. So I kind of felt like. Yeah. You would think they would kind of try and shuffle you out. Right. Like, yeah. Like I was sort of like, go. I feel bad her taking up a space when all she needs to do is learn how to have a bottle, which I can do at home. Yeah. Like there's yeah. babies being born that need to be here and you're sending parents off to Dunedin and you know, all of these things which are, like, not ideal situations when you've just given birth. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah I, we felt bad for being there. Um, but then it felt like on the week that we left that there was, like, a mass exodus and it all cleared out. So I'm not sure what was going on. <laughs> Maybe everybody got sick of it and was like, right, we're done. <laughs> yeah. They all had the same problem, just needed to bottle feed. <laughs> Basically, that's what it felt like. Everybody was like, oh, my God, this feeding situation. And I was like, yeah, I feel like this is the niggly part at the end of NICU because – like they don't, NICU babies have to be perfect, right? They won't let them go home yeah. until they're perfect. And that's the, the that's a hard part because like I had friends that had babies around the same time, like the, 
expected due date is mine and you know some of them were having to wake their babies to feed them and stuff and I was like see they're not in the yeah. zoo and they're having to do yeah, you know yeah. these same things and all that kind of stuff but of course because she had been in Naku, they don't want to kick her out in case she ends up back there so I do I do get yeah. it but you know when you've been there for it still sucks weeks, yeah <laughs> you're still like I'm really like when I now. had when I had the twins and it was like all these boxes you have to tick to be able to take them home and then when I had Angus because he was born at term it was literally like he was an afterthought when yeah. we got discharged they like discharged me and they were like oh and the baby's okay and I was like I mean I think so like yeah. he's, he's there and they were like, okay. want to check him? And I was like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like we missed this like whole step of making sure he was fine to go home because he had to go through so many hoops. Yeah, and Niku. yeah, I know. So yeah, no, but I mean, otherwise, like our Niku journey was like fine. Like, I mean, other than like obviously the stresses of trying to work your life around it. Um, yeah. And yeah, like the biggest thing for the Christchurch Hospital is the lack of car parking. Like you'd get there and you'd spend half an hour driving round and round trying to find a park and then how mm. expensive it is. Um, but I mean, like we, we had really, really lovely nurses, really lovely doctors. Um, I think we only ever had maybe like one grumpy nurse one time. And then you kind of have her again and you realize that that's just her personality and it's not actually like yeah. she's just grumpy all the time. And you're just like, and you say that you just kind of give it back to her and then all of a sudden you get a bit of cheek and you, you know, like you kind of work it out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, like, I mean, we're pretty grateful and, and thankful for all, what they all did for her. So, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to look after her like they did. So. <laughs> yeah um but yeah and and like it definitely like opens our eyes for like there was a few parents in there that you know had been hitting the 100 days and stuff and they had 24 week babies and um you know like there was actually a family that came in three days after we had been admitted into room one and um their little baby actually passed away and that was a 24 weeker as well and so that kind of hit home like we were mm -hmm. like oh you know, like we felt guilty being in there with it, you know, walking past them, knowing that our baby's still alive and we could see them so upset and everything. And, and you know, like obviously mm -hmm. you couldn't speak to them and be like, we've been there. We know, we know how that feels yeah, yeah. because, you know, like you just yeah. felt bad that they would be looking at you being like, oh, all these people with their babies still in there, you know, like it's just a, yeah. it's a very conflicting like environment, I guess, to be in. When you were pregnant with Madeline and you found out she was a girl, how yeah. did it did it kind of feel like a relief, like knowing it was going to be this completely different pregnancy? I can only, I can only imagine, obviously, losing a boy and thinking if you're having another boy that you were going to be back at the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I I kind of had like I was in two minds about it. Um, yeah. Part of me really wanted a little boy because I was like. Yeah. I've I've planned for a little boy all I want is this little boy you know like all I know of being mm -hmm. pregnant and thinking of babies and all that kind of thing is a little boy and you know yeah. like I guess like my husband's really into like hunting and fishing and all of these things and so I had all of these ideas of like what our little boy was going to do with him um, mm. but then at the same time there was the part of me that was like I almost want a little girl because I want it to be a completely different journey and I want it to, yeah, you know, like then I won't mentally link it to, oh, I wonder if this little boy, yeah. if that's what George was going to be like or if that's, if he looks yeah. like what George was going to look like or, you know, like I wouldn't be able to make those yeah. comparisons. So, um, 
yeah, when we found out it was a little girl, there was that part of me that was kind of like relieved that I was like, cool, this is a whole new journey. And I mean, my husband's still mm. got her like a pink fishing rod and she's got a pink life jacket <laughs> for a boat. And, you know, like she's got all of these things. So like, and, yeah. he's like, and he, he was like, oh, I can't wait to have a girl. Like he's excited as about it. So, um, yeah. but yeah, there was kind of that part, like, especially when I first lost him, I was like, I just want a little boy so badly. Like that yeah. was all I wanted. Um, yeah. Whereas like now I think about if people are like, oh, you're going to have another baby. And I'm like, huh? First of all, I don't know because I'm like in two minds of the whole, you know, like obviously I know I'm going to have another Niku baby and I know that I'm yeah. going to need, need a stitch and this whole process will happen again and I don't know how mm. far along I'll get. So there's that worry mm. of like not getting as far as I did with Madeline and all of that. Um, and then there's the worry of like, you know, like if I have another little girl, Will I then be like, oh, I never got my little boy? Or do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. So oh, there's just so much, I guess, that like how you can think about it and everything. I just mm-hmm. try to, I mean, I've had a couple of people already be like, so you're going to have another one? And I'm like, don't even know. Oh my ask God, me we that. got that too. Like, we've got, so we've got three boys. And so we had the twins. And then because they were fraternal, we had to find out because I was like, I need to know if this is a boy and a girl or two girls or two boys because there's a lot of scenarios. Yeah. Um, and then we had, Angus and we found out he was a boy and we were kind of the same we were like equally excited and gutted because we're like we're not having any more so we're never going to have a little girl but then at the same time if it was a girl I'd be like oh I won't have this like little little boy gang yeah like I was literally still pregnant with him and people like oh you're gonna try for a girl and I was like can I have this can I have this baby first (laughs) can we make sure he makes it to term yeah, I know. Just, I'm just I don't like, understand how people find they can ask that. I know. I'm just like, do you know what? I'm just happy that I have like my body back because I've basically done. So yeah. Maddie was born on the 31st of May and George was the 16th of June. So we were two weeks shy yeah. of having within. So basically, yeah, two babies within 12 months. So like for me, yeah. I was like, I'm just excited to like go and do F45 again and like yeah you know like exercise and just do the things that I want to do without stressing about I'm either trying to get pregnant or I am pregnant and I'm on bed rest and like you know all of these things so I'm just like I just want to live for a little bit (laughs) yeah especially you're not pumping and breastfeeding you're literally like I'm I'm back baby The minute I took that medication to dry up my milk, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Wait, at Christmas time, like, because obviously like last Christmas, like yeah. I everyone was like, so like, oh my God, pagan, be careful of pagan. Like, you know, every time yeah. I go, would go on the boat or anything like that. And like, I can't wait for this Christmas to just like go for a ski and like nail myself mm. in the water and not worry about it or, you mm. know, like yeah yeah do all of those fun things so yeah I'm I'm really looking forward to it I um I feel like it's been like a massive year and a half of just not really doing anything that I want to do um yeah and yeah same with kind of like like with work and all sorts of stuff like that like like I had left my job um around the time that I lost George and so then all of a sudden I was like okay Mm. now I'm like unemployed and now I don't have a baby either. So like, what am I doing? And then, mm-hmm. you know, trying to work that out. And then obviously then I got pregnant again. And I was like, okay, now I can't commit to anybody. So what am I doing? <laughs> like, so yeah. now I'm kind of like, yeah, oh, yeah. I've had the baby. 
now let's like just like worry about myself for a bit and obviously like she comes along for the ride yeah. too like she's there <laughs> yeah um but she's again you're working like the perfect industry for her to <laughs> be a part of it you yeah know? yeah and um no so she she's really good like honestly I feel like she's like the dream dream baby she um I actually got an eight hour sleep last night like she slept for eight hours <gasps> I was like oh my god That's amazing. <laughs> yeah so yeah. I did not get that <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah no now I'm just trying to like work out the whole corrected age versus actual age thing um mm-hmm. because I feel like because technically she's only like corrected she would be like a five-week-old baby or something but I think she's definitely a lot more advanced mm-hmm. than a five-week-old baby yeah so I think yeah. she's probably closer to her actual like 15 weeks but maybe just on the small side so that's kind of how I'm looking yeah. at it because yeah like I've again I've yeah. got friends that have got babies the similar age to her corrected age and you know like she's smiling and she moves a lot and she's trying to roll over and all of these things and obviously those babies aren't so I'm like there's no way she's like a four-week-old baby (laughs) yeah so yeah yeah well thank you so much for um for sharing your story and for being open about what you went through with George no again I'm so sorry like I cannot I cannot even fathom what you went through yeah to be honest I I, my husband and I even like said the other day like we were like when you actually stand back and think about it I was like I can't actually believe we went through that like it's the kind of thing that you like hear about like I remember there was a a girl that I worked with um and you know she had lost a couple of babies well there's actually two girls that are my really good friends and they'd both lost a couple of babies at like 22 weeks and 21 weeks and stuff and I remember we were always just so like oh my god like I don't know how they do that. I don't know how they've done it twice now, you know, like, and we mm-hmm. always like felt for them. And then, you know, then when it was like me, I was dealing with it and I was just, and again, I was like, I can't mm-hmm. believe that these guys have gone through this like twice, like how, and still had the courage yeah. to keep trying, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. It's a situation. <laughs> it definitely takes a, a different type of strong and a different type of brave, I think yeah. as well to, to make it through that definitely yeah well thank you for um yeah having me on here <laughs> i've got um angus helping me close out the show today can you say hello or goodbye no okay um yeah so a huge thank you to pagan for sharing what she went through with both of her pregnancies obviously an absolutely absolutely heartbreaking story but she's got little madeline now um so hopefully that doesn't make it better, but helps to ease the pain that they went through. Um, and I'm so glad that they had quite a positive experience with their NICU stay um, and with Madeline and that there's, yeah, no, no ongoing issues for them. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as you can enjoy listening to heartbreaking stories. Um, if you have had a loss um there's a wonderful wonderful uh charity i think i think they're considered a charity called sans um that you can contact to get support to help you get through a really really awful time so i'll put a um the link to their website in the in the show notes but yeah thank you so much for listening and i'll chat to you soon bye